0: Thank you for listening in on our podcast in the series, Intergenerational Conversations on Climate. The podcast brings together voices from high school students and senior citizens from around New Brunswick to discuss their concerns about climate change in our province. The project is the product of Voices for Sustainable Environments And communities as part of your province's environmental trust fund at work. Exploring concerns and hopes represented by senior citizens and high school students. Climate crises appear in global and national news with increasing frequency and desperation. Voices of concern can be heard every day. Voices of hope are less common. How do our friends and neighbors think about the new climate? Let's find out. I'm Bruce Langus. I'll be your facilitator today. And um, in my productive life, I was a geologist. Connor, your your introduction.
1: I'm a student at OHS and. Uh... I like sports, Uh, I have a job, part-time, and
2: I love nature. Excellent. My name is Tom McLean. I'm a retired software developer. A lot of my interest right now, retired, is looking at ways to improve our transition to clean energy. That's good. And you live in? I live in New Maryland.
0: Very good. Very good. Uh, Tell me how you, uh, how do you develop retired software? I I didn't quite understand that.
2: Oh, I'm a, I'm a, (laughs) okay. I'm a software developer who is retired. Oh,
0: I see. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now that we've got that covered. All right. First question. We'll go to Tom. Whose climate information do you trust?
2: Well, I look to uh, climate scientists. So there's a number of uh, uh, websites and newsletters that are produced by uh, people who have uh, both been educated, trained, and uh, practice publish in. the uh, atmospheric physics, and other uh, sciences that are directly related to uh, climate. And so I go to those sites and newsletters to uh, get my updates on, on what's currently happening, what's has happened, and what's likely to happen. So uh, even when I listen to Main Street media or other, I uh, often will do back checks to make sure that what they're saying is 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 actually accurate because often there will be some sort of spin and so I like to back check those things with uh, multiple experts who actually had uh, uh, training and education and of course uh, have actually published in those sciences.
0: Very good. Connor, same question to you. Whose information do you trust?
1: Uh, I personally trust the government but I like uh, fact-checking them, back checking them just to make sure they got all their things right and they're not leaving anything out. That's important. Mm-hmm.
0: hmm How does somebody, um, I presume that, uh, none of us then put much credence into the screamers who are on, uh, the media who are, um, uh, wanting us to uh, to do something immediately what uh, how does a person like greta thunberg how does she fit in she's not a scientist how does she fit in is she a trusted individual do you know who i mean by greta thunberg
1: yeah i'd say she's an activist mm, not really a scientist but not a screamer who's just screaming out
0: nonsense mhm so she has a fair amount of trust.
2: Yeah, I, I, she's uh, she's been quite uh, specific and quite accurate, I think, with her comments. She has not been uh, one to spin or to use hyperbole unnecessarily, for sure. She has uh, been quite clear about the crisis we're in. And uh, certainly the uh, information I've read from scientists backs up what she says Mm -hmm.
0: okay do you trust Canadian uh, government leaders or government climate scientists and their information
1: Uh, I try and trust just whoever has the best information whoever doesn't add anything extra and just tends to you Know, tell the best story with the best information.
2: Yeah, I've uh looked for various sources, I've found them in Australia and the US and Canada, um, and of course in other places as well. The uh, I don't get to, too hung up on what nationality they they happen to have. Again, I, I look for people who are uh, experienced and educated and published, so I certainly uh. I respect and trust those people to give us the straight goods. Um, politicians,
0: where do they fall on the spectrum, on the trust spectrum
2: for you, Tom? Well, the uh, there are some that are actually uh, trying to uh, move us along, and there are many that aren't. And I think that's a reflection of where, in part, where the... Uh, uh, Canada's population is at. There's uh, trying to balance uh, the sense of security, but at the same time, th- knowing that there's urgency to, to act. Uh, so I'm really uh, disheartened by a number of things that uh, politicians have done and uh, and not done. But I know that there are, are some that have actually been trying to move the needle on getting us to, to actually move ahead with climate action. So there kind of a middle of the road answer for you okay Connor
0: what about you politicians and government scientists where are they on the on the uh, on the spectrum
1: I'd say they're on a thin line like they got a balance between the audience and the sense of yeah security like uh, they're like actors they have to play the role Mm mm-hmm
0: how can we improve the um, effective uh, political policies from our politicians by using good government science,
2: Tom? Well, the, um, one of the mechanisms I've heard of, uh, it's called a citizen's assembly. And uh, I first heard about that when uh, Fairville Canada was talking about how can we move ahead with electoral reform and it's a very powerful mechanism that allows uh uh the our politicians to gather a group across section of uh, Canadian uh, Canadian population uh together to actually hear from experts and put together recommendations on uh, a particular topic in this case of course uh, climate action and i think that's one way of of trying to uh uh close the gap of competing interests between our elected officials and what we, uh, the people that are, they're elected to represent, are actually doing. So that's uh, one way that I think, uh, uh, if we can convince our government to do it, actually could actually uh, make a big difference. And citizens' assemblies are not new. They've been used in the UK in in Australia and other places. So I think that's quite a bit of a possibility. A uh, strong possibility for success. Are they public forums? It's uh, it's actually people that are, are drawn across the uh, a broad cross section of the population by random lot, mm-hmm. and uh, they are that are given a, a mandate, a budget, uh, to actually come together as a as a separate body that will then uh, investigate, research, discuss. Uh, A particular uh, aspect of of life, again, climate change or electoral reform, whatever, and then uh, use uh, on that basis, then make specific recommendations to government, which then have the weight of the fact that here is a uh, cross section of the population actually saying this is what we want to have done based on the uh, expertise that we've heard. Connor, how does that idea sound to you?
1: I like the idea of public forums and just public opinions because who is better to ask than uh than the people who are actually living in this world
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, if I could just add to that, the uh I think it's also useful if people are have been informed so when they're drawing their their decisions or their judgments they can base that on informed knowledge. Mm
0: -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of a a little sidelight to that. Tom, have you ever written to your MLA or member of parliament urging climate action?
2: Uh, Yes, I've written to my MP uh, multiple times on various aspects of climate action, the use of clean energy, the need for uh, taking... uh, action more quickly than we have yes i have connor have you ever written to your mla or mp
1: i've written once and it was about uh clean energy ideas but they never got back to me so i never wrote again
0: hmm. they didn't even write you a letter saying thank you for your meaningless letter
1: no they did not
0: hmm wow yeah that usually they'll have somebody do that right away yeah and then throw it away.
2: Well, actually, I think it's important to write letters because uh, I do actually think they have an impact. Um, and if you, if it's just one letter they receive, that's obviously a small impact. But if it's one of a the thousands, then that can have a big impact. So um, actually, Condor, I would definitely recommend trying again. Hmm.
0: I wonder if, um, if your whole uh, uh, environmental science class Got together and each wrote a um, uh, a letter to Jenica Atwin or whoever your MLA is. Um, if that would have more of an impact.
1: Well, I feel like the more people urging the MLAs and MPs to call to action, the more they're gonna think it's urgent. Because if it's this one person screaming at a giant, and that's not really going to their giant's not going to hear. But if maybe, like, 60, 30, 1,000 people scream, then they just might hear.
0: Okay. Who has more to lose from climate disasters, Connor, teenagers or senior citizens?
1: I feel like students have the more— or most to lose out on because they lose out on school. They lose out on pretty much everything. But, like, senior citizens have a solid base foundation that they can go back on. Students, they rely on other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Tom, what do you think about that? Who has more at stake? Students? Senior
2: citizens? Well, just from a lifespan, for sure, students. I'm teenagers. The youth, for sure, they have more to lose because uh, I've had a pretty good life, you know, and, and part of that, for sure, thanks to fossil fuels. And so it, it makes no sense for uh, me to push the cost of that on, onto the next generation. So there's more need for me to take action, but definitely the action um, that actually is going to have more impact on the lives of uh, the young right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's
0: directly um, um, related to voting power. Yes, I think you're right. Would you you also advocate at the same time as giving 16-year-olds to vote, could we remove the vote from the 70-year-olds, us dinosaurs?
2: Well, that's interesting. (laughs) I have no problem uh, extending the voting age to 16. I figure if we can say a 16-year-old can drive a car, a thousand, you know, a couple thousand tons or pounds of uh, steel and metal going down the road, I'm pretty sure that uh, we can uh, we can extend the voting age there. Um, not so crazy about the idea of losing the vote at 70, though. <laughs> so so uh, maybe I'll take a, a hard pass on that one.
0: Okay, Connor, what do you think about that? The My- vote for 16-year-olds.
1: Uh I agree that uh if you're allowed to drive a car you should be allowed to vote but um, I feel like everyone should have a voice so why take it away from the elders
0: Mhm mm-hmm. even though I have being uh, in the um in that um that uh, honored group of over 70s even though I have a very limited um um Frame of reference. I'm going to be
2: voting to protect. Wow, that sounds pretty narrow. <laughs> uh yes, Bruce, well. Bruce. I think I think maybe we can we can give ourselves a bit more benefit of the doubt that maybe a few of the seniors actually would vote to do a bit more than that. How's that?
0: Well, okay, maybe. Sorry, Connor. Did I, I, I don't cut you off? No. Maybe, maybe some of those 70-year-olds, yeah, are doing the uh are making podcasts of um yes, <laughs> of uh students, things like that that are well worthwhile. Tom, uh, on that same uh, avenue. Are you and your friends and your family concerned about coming
2: climate crises? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. I uh certainly uh, many of my friends are very concerned about the crisis that of course is here now and continuing to accelerate uh, the uh, it's not a, a binary because it's not a new climate we're actually going to things are going to continue to get worse until we take action to uh, to trim our emissions uh, so some of I have some friends that have, uh, that no longer drive a car. They only take a bike everywhere. They they're they've gone to, from uh, meat and vegetables to vegan. Um, they've done, done an amazing number of things. I, I'm not I'm not that pure for sure. Um, but I have other friends that uh, continue to fly. They continue to drive. They continue to just uh, say you know we'll just try to be nice people and. And everything will work out because, uh, you know, technology or something will save us, I guess. So, uh, I you know, I, I have quite a range of uh, people that I know that uh, in terms of their their reaction to uh, what they think the climate uh, crisis is or, or how it's going to pan out. So it's, uh, I guess part of that is that I try to talk about it with my friends as much as I can Uh, not to harp on it but also try to make sure that uh, they're at least aware of some of the things they can do uh, if they're not doing it already very good Connor um,
0: do you and your friends discuss climate and are any of them concerned about the coming climate crises
1: yeah we are we uh we discuss it just sometimes but it's always a melancholy topic because it's just harsh because we're gonna have, I don't know, wives, kids and they're gonna have to grow up in this climate and it's just getting worse and worse.
0: mm mm-hmm. Do any of the um, any of your your peers mention that they're reluctant to have families.
1: Yeah. And there's some people in my class that say they're not going to have kids because uh, they don't want them growing up in uh, this climate.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Definitely.
1: Very melancholic. Very sad.
0: Yeah. Um, given that uh, that degree of, um, of uh, seriousness, why are students not out in the streets every day demanding climate action, Connor. Because
1: we as students have an obligation to, you know, try and get good grades, and not all of us can just be out there every day demanding, like, a better climate, better systems, but I feel like... More people should definitely rally out and cry out.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can almost ask, how come all our seniors aren't out there yeah. yelling for a better future as well? And right. I, I don't have a good answer for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. we should be.
0: Well, maybe uh, there are, just like in the times of the, um, the racial um, inequities um, and those protests in the 60s, there were a lot of churches who had that as part of their toolkit, of um, of going down, going out and protesting on a regular basis. Maybe there are churches in Canada who should be doing this about climate change.
1: I think so. Like, uh, I don't go to church anymore, but I feel like uh, there should be rallies that the church uh, or just really anyone sets up.
2: Yeah, the uh, uh, I think rallies and protests and continue to have a strong uh, public voice to keep it in the public domain is is really good. Um, my efforts tend to be on educate to make sure that uh, people are aware of what's happening, but also to help people understand what they can be doing. Um, one of the, the pieces, of course, is is uh, reducing uh, what we burn. If you're, if you're burning something, it's not a good thing. And electrify everything. So, uh, for example, with a car, uh, some of us can drive electric cars. But not everybody can afford an electric car right now. So what do you do? You drive a smaller car. If you can't drive a smaller car, drive it more slowly because that can save gas. So there's lots of things that people can do that usually save them money. Right, right. Um, you touched on something
0: there that uh, that uh, education is, uh, is, uh, is something that needs to be going along with action. Um, right now, a large majority, about 80% of Canadians believe that humanity is responsible for climate change. And for climate crises, is it now time to drive people to action rather than more education about climate crises?
1: I think education is very important because people should know that their actions have consequences. But, like, there should definitely be at least a bit more action than teaching because all of us know that, like driving cars bad for the environment and traveling long distances, eating meats is causing climate change. And we all know that, but we should keep teaching younger generations.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's lots, uh, lots of education still required, both young and old for sure. Like, like, Part of action is knowing what the right action is to take. So uh, uh, like I say, there's there's lots of things that people can be doing, often things that uh, they require change for sure, but uh, that can actually be uh, either neutral or save people money, not always, but usually. Uh, for example, uh, the use of wind power can actually save people money because wind is much cheaper to generate electricity than uh, any other source of, of of uh, power right now, not everybody realizes that. Uh, that's just one small example. So, no, I think I think both are, are required, uh, and not only from the perspective of uh, of letting people know what what's happening in, in terms of climate and what solutions are available, but the fact that new solutions become available all the time. So, what's currently happening now? Technology is not going to save us, but I do think that uh, education in terms of what actions we can take as individuals and what actions we can take to uh, prompt, motivate, force uh, organizations and government to take action are are quite critical.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: As a last question, Connor, what are some things you can do today to fight climate change? Mm, I think...
1: Like, you shouldn't be telling everyone what to do, just encouraging it, like encouraging good behavior, like instead of driving five minutes to the store and back, ride your bike, or instead of driving to the park, you can walk, enjoy the nature. Mm, I just feel like the small things add up. But, like, there definitely needs to be some big changes that we all need to take in order to fight climate change.
2: Yeah, Yeah, like Connor's point about the bike, it's, it's something that I keep on forgetting because I'm such a car generation guy, that uh, really active uh, transportation and uh, uh, public mass transportation are far better than a car, even an electric, even an electric car. So uh, I think that, that's uh, really good in keeping in mind that we need to start... Uh, renovating and building our towns and cities to accommodate uh, active transportation to make sure that those that were supporting those things. The, uh, myself, I, uh, I, I've committed to stop flying until there's electric, uh, flights in, uh, available. I've, uh, I now have an electric car. I don't have a fireplace. I, uh, I have a heat pump. So I'll electrify all my heating. Um, I, uh, I've cut down on my meat consumption, not totally out, but cut it down. So, all those things, like I say, I'm not perfect. I still have a a snowblower that that, uh, burns gas, Uh, but uh, I know that uh, it doesn't have to be a binary thing, it's a transition. So, I I consider myself transitioning. And I think that uh, uh, when people start saying, well, you know, after tomorrow we have to stop using all gas and oil, well, no, but we have to move on to not using gas and oil and that's the transition
0: does that sound like uh sound thinking to you connor
1: oh yeah i think it's sound thinking like everyone's not going to stop using their cars tomorrow they're all going to not stop flying but i feel like those should be cut down on and just regulated better Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. well i think with those thoughts we are done Uh, I want to thank both of you for taking the time to participate with us. Thanks for sharing your wisdom, both of you. And I hope you have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Mm, Thanks.